Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. You know, sometimes you may think that it's weird to sing a a Christmas song as a worship song. And what most of us don't realize is that those songs got put together for the Christmas season uh, by us Americans. I mean, we decided that that was a Christmas song instead of a middle of March type of song. But they were originally written as worship songs for the church and were kind of sung throughout the whole year. It's, it, that's, so whenever you hear a song like that and you think, well, wait a minute, that's a Christmas song. I can't can't raise my hands or I can't worship to that. That's just because we've kind of uh, Americanized the use of it. Um, but also, let me just tell you, tonight at six o'clock, we are doing our Hanging of the Greens, which is a time when we just kind of decorate the interior of the building and the exterior of the building. It's, a, it's kind of a fun tradition for us. It's a time for you to bring your kids and we'll have little snacks. Um, we'll also have the ball game on. Can't tell you exactly which ball game it will be. The Patriots play at one o'clock, so that will already be done. They will have moved into second place in the AFC by that time. So, uh, so I'm not really concerned, but we will have football on for you. If, you've, if you must have it, we will have it for you. Anybody else watch that Auburn-Alabama game yesterday? Yeah, wow, man, what a game, what a game. Anybody watch that Carolina-Clemson game yesterday? Yeah, yeah, let's give it up for uh, Carolina. There you go, there you go. I mean, they played to the end, they played to the end. You know, there's something to be said to that. There's a Bible verse, he who endures to the end shall be saved. But apparently that doesn't apply to uh, NCAA football. But it was, it was a good game, it was a good game. A lot of fight, fight. You know, uh, so welcome to behold. Um, behold is a word that we just like those worship songs, like we just sang, "Come, let us adore Him." We kind of reserve it for Christmas. Behold's kind of a Christmas word, isn't it? Uh, it's whenever somebody says "behold" or throws a little sound effects into there, you kind of feel it's like Christmas time. Um, you don't, you didn't use "behold" yesterday when Clemson scored or when Alabama came back and, and all that, you didn't go, behold, when the, the touchdown was scored or anything like that. Um, you don't use it during Halloween. It's not like somebody's dressed up like a, like a witch or a, you know, a skeleton all of a sudden jumps out and says, behold, you know, it's usually something a little bit more shock and awe that is done. Um, Let's see, uh, you don't use it when you're, uh, something that you discover in the grocery stores. Something that I love when I discover it. I know it's there all the time, but it's when you find bacon, you know? It's kind of like when you go to the aisle and you look at the bacon and there it is and you find it's got no nitrates and you've looked over the little thing to make sure you're eating the good bacon, you got it. You don't all of a sudden turn around to everybody and say, behold the bacon, you know? It's not like a word that you use there. Um, uh, it's not something that you use when, you know, like when my grandbaby Ireland is visiting. I, c- I can kind of tell when her her diaper is full, okay? Uh, I, I am beholden to the diaper, you know? You can tell when the diaper is full, but nobody, nobody announces when she comes around the corner and she's sagging a little bit in the back, you know, if, if she's going around the corner and loses traction, you know? It, it, nobody says, behold, the dirty diaper. Matter of fact, I have to admit, I am that grandpa that when I'm beholding the diaper, I'm beholding out of the room, 
Okay, so I'm hoping somebody else will behold that diaper other than myself. So it's, it's a word that we do kind of restrict its usage. Um, it, it's, it's different than seeing. Well, we don't just say, you know, you, you see a football game, you see the diaper, you see the bacon. You know, we, we use seeing in a way, but behold seems to have a little bit more oomph behind it. And as I kind of studied it and thought about it, it was, it's, there's this idea of an inception of wisdom or insight. Um, but, it, but it wasn't just the idea that you get more wisdom and insight from an event, but rather there's this presentation with intention. There's like two sides of this thing. Behold is kind of like the person who like yells behold or does the beholding is presenting something. So there's two parties that are involved with a behold. In a seeing, you can look at somebody and that other person is totally oblivious to the fact that you're looking at them. I had that kind of moment yesterday. We were down on King Street and you know, we gotta make the obligatory stop at Pottery Barn, you know? And so I'm that guy that finds the best chair that they have and break out my phone and work on my fantasy team while, well, you know, so, um, I, and I'm trying to be small so that people don't see me sitting on the merchandise, you know, but these, these people will come in, I almost said ladies because that would have been stereotypical, but everybody comes in and is looking at all the stuff that's around and, and I'm just trying to be really, small. but I'm just watching people going around looking at different pillows, touching things and all that. Well, that's, that's viewing. There's no, they had no intention when they walked into the store and they saw me sitting there. They, they weren't like, behold me. You know, there wasn't like any kind of giant presentation or in, intention to be seen. Um, behold seems to have on one side, the presenter has an intention about something that they want you to get. Then on the other side, behold is a perception of the heart of the second person. You know, it's kind of like you behold something. So it's like a two, it's the double helix of the birth of inception or uh, insight. It's like the double helix, the intention of the presenter and then the, the uh, reception of the person who's perceiving the event. It's not just collecting facts and it's not just observing an event. Um, beholding seems to talk to the soul. They seem to, it seems to be like a, like a, a deep word. It's, it's kind of like the power of a rose. I mean, um, roses are just, we've kind of said that when you get a rose, there's meaning behind it, right? I mean, if I was to give somebody a lily, you know, you may think Easter or something like that, but you really wouldn't think of, you know, if I was to give Shane a, a lily, you know, it'd be like, oh, that's so nice, I'll put it on my front porch. But if I was to give her a rose, there's something preloaded in that. And beholding seems, and, and, I, and she'd throw it back at me, her husband would kick the crap out of me, and my wife wouldn't talk to me for a week. So all that would occur in the power of the rose. But see, there are some things that we see, that we view, that we encounter that are deeper. They're intended to communicate something deeper to the soul. So behold seems to be something that talks deep to the soul. Beholding also prompts a response. It, there's a, there's a, a wait for it kind of 
implied. Wait for it, wait for it. You know, like all those videos on TikTok and, and I'm getting into Instagram. Yeah, I'm a little five, 10 years late on it, but all of a sudden, the wait for it that pops up. Then there's the beholding that is the catalyst for change, that when you get it, it seems to be powerful. It seems to have the ability to change what you're going to do next or possibly what you think. So there's no surprise that when I looked up this word in its Hebrew and Greek forms, that this word appears in the scriptures over 1,200 times. 1,200 times there is, a, there is a moment when God does something that's not just to be seen, not just to be a collection of facts, not just a, you know, a dirty diaper running into the room, but rather it is a prompting to look and to consider your next step type of moment. God uses the behold a lot. It starts with the observation, but then it seems to have the power to move into a deeper meaning. The Christmas story is filled with beholdings. I mean, it's just loaded with them. And, and throughout the historical narrative that we will look at over the next couple of weeks, people are going to be presented with this seeing, responding, or um, this observing and reacting double helix. Uh, never just about seeing. Angels don't just appear just to be seen and to prove they exist. It's never just about doing. It seems to be a pairing of what God is doing and what we are invited to be a part of. That's really it. When a behold happens, it's not just God doing something. He, it's kind of like, hey, I'd like you to be a part of what's going on here. So let me read you one of the most familiar stories of beholding in the Christmas story. Luke chapter two, verse eight. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I think that, I, I don't have that in my notes, but I think that's really important, is because they were terribly frightened, and so the outcome of the beholding was not correct, okay? They beheld something about God and came up with the wrong conclusion. And it's interesting that the angels immediately like, oh, no, 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 this is not about scaring, the, scaring you know, you really bad, okay? This is, that, that's not what this is. So the angel automatically corrects their response to his seeing. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, okay? So the angels already appeared, right? So that means that the seeing has meaning and they haven't discovered the meaning yet. Because behold implies meaning, something that's supposed to go deeper than just seeing a sparkly angel appearing in the middle of the night. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for you and for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth among men with whom he is pleased. See, the seeing has an implication that is going hand in hand. 
It's not just about seeing. Matter of fact, I think it's interesting in this story that the angel brings the implication right up front. So getting to your heart is the most important thing. It's not so much about analyzing what you're about to see, and and the angel will lay out what you're about to see, but immediately delivers the implication to the soul, okay? And and so I I think it's amazing. It's that, that today, born to you in the city of David is the Savior Christ the Lord. And they're like, wow. It's like, okay, I haven't told you what you're gonna see yet. I'm just telling you what the implication of it is. And so I think, I think when, we, when it comes to God, if we thought about the implication of God more than we talked about the seeing of God, we might get it better. I mean, really think about, I, I, whenever I argue with anybody about the existence of God, the implication of God, the implication of not God, you know, because then the dominoes drop all, all, all the way. I mean, the implication of not God ends up that your life has no meaning, you're a uh, predetermined accident and all that other stuff, and, and it just doesn't really work out well. I mean, it just, it's like, you know, it's just, there is no, other than coming up with a myth, it's just really no good. But the implic- have you ever considered the implication of God? See, most of us are hung up on whether or not we see God or don't see God. Well, what about the implication of God? See, the implication of God helps me when I don't see God. And I don't see God a lot. Well, I see him more when I consider the implication of God. But it's interesting that, that have you considered the implication? Like when you were singing those songs, we were probably the first time you heard that this season, probably the first time you were invited to sing a Christmas song this season. And, you know, you might have just gone through it like most of us, like when I heard the list, I was like, oh, not that song. As long as we don't sing the one about the little drummer boy. You know, I mean, I would just, because I've got 62 years of hearing the same song, hearing it, seeing it, whatever. But someplace along the line, just like you, I lost the implication. Oh, come let us behold him, Christ the Lord. It's like, when did I forget that implication? When did I get more into the seeing of Christmas but not the beholding of the implication of Christmas? But he, then he goes in and he tells them about what they're going to see. Um, this is what you're going to see with your eyes, but before you see it, I want to know what you, you need to know the implication. See, I, there really is, you know, to tell somebody about the cross, you know, to hold up a crucifix with a, the, you know, a, a replica of Christ on the cross and, and then point and say, see, 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 this is God, this is God. You might just walk away and say, yeah, that's brutality, that's victimization, that's crazy, okay? And I get that. I, if, you, if you said, I mean, what kind of God allows his own son to die? If you just frame what we see, it does kind of get a little, you know, up for discussion. But if you hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which Jesus said before he died, he gave the implication before the observation. See, we need to come into this season, we need to come into our relationship with God with what is the implication of God? And, 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 and people will, will argue with me, and, and let me ramble just for a second because it's a really short sermon. Um, but let me just ramble for a little bit. But a lot of people will say, well, if, if God's so good, why does he allow evil to happen? I'm like, okay, that's good. That's good. And that's the number one argument about, against the existence of God. 
It's the number one argument. There's no science argument against God. There's no biology argument against God. There's no other argument against God right now. And they've all collapsed. Uh, Neo-Darwinism is on the ropes right now uh, with the consideration of intelligent design and the preloading of information to amino acids and things like that. I mean, it's like, okay, scientists are really stepping back and saying, okay, this Darwinian model is just not working for us. Um, But so people say, well, if God's so good, then why does he allow evil to happen? It's like, okay, if we're going to villainize God because evil happens, then we have to bring in the full implication of God. That means you got to, he created the universe. We got to bring in that we do experience good. Oh, also we got, if we're going to bring in God, we got to bring in forgiveness. If we're going to bring in God, we got to bring in the resurrection from the dead. If we're going to bring in God, we got to bring in immortality forever with him. You know, we got to bring in all of it. And then all of a sudden, that one big problem when you bring in the implication of God, it begins to shrink a little bit. See, most of us don't bring in the full implication of what's happening in this Christmas story and what it really means. It's full weight to us. The behold is for everyone, and the benefits are for everyone. But not everyone, I hate to say it, even here today, you, not every one of us will behold. You got something else on your mind right now. Maybe you have unforgiveness, maybe you've got, uh, you're, you're concerned about if the stuffing's gonna go bad before the end of service today. Um, you're, I don't know, maybe you're worried about bills, maybe you're worried about the condition of your marriage. There's something inside of you that is just, you're gonna walk out of here and you're just gonna be like, well, yeah, the guy's crazy you know, or whatever. I mean, you're just gonna walk out, because you may have already preloaded yourself to an unbeholding. You can do that. You have that power to predispose your soul to not beholding. So let me read you the same story a different way. John 1 verse nine says this, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Okay, again, this is the first service, and I tend to be a little bit more hyper the first service, uh, but I, it's, it's okay. I will still get to it. But I think this is incredible because John does not have a Christmas story. His gospel doesn't have a Christmas Matthew, Mark has a little, little one there, and then Luke has kind of a really cool one, but um, John doesn't have it. And in place of John's is this one. See, John doesn't write a seeing um, story. He writes a beholding story, an implication story about the birth of Christ. So here it is. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man, because that's what beholdings do. He was in the world and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. It's like shut down the beholding. But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of, the blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. First of all, the beholding is for everyone. It said, enlightens every man. There's none of us that's without excuse. There is a beholding that is going into the universe, into through the story of Christ. There is a beholding. When we hear it, it has the power of enlightenment to every soul. Whether it does that to you or not, we're going to find out has got more to do with your 
predisposition or what you want to behold in your life. Then it talked about the implication of the beholding, to become the children of God. Now, you may be sitting here today, I don't want to be a child of God. I'm just not interested in that right now. Cool. Boom. Beholding shuts, shuts down. Okay? It wasn't because of a lack of something spectacular happening. It was a lack of the fact that you, even if the spectacular happened right in front of you, I'm just not interested. Then there's the action of the beholding. Remember I said there was kind of a double helix thing and then you got that little, you know, I don't know enough about biology, that ATP and all that stuff, that, all that, the little bar that connects the two uh, strands together there. It's, uh, the beholding is the receiving of him. That's the full cycle of beholding. The tada, the implication, and then the receiving. And I'm hoping that as you're hearing this, that you're maybe hearing where your shutdown is. Maybe you haven't been exposed enough to the, to the spectacular, to the beholding, to the, to the presentation. Maybe you haven't read that enough. Maybe you haven't looked at the lyrics of the song that's being played on your radio. Um, maybe for you it's just the implication hasn't really dropped. I mean, wait a minute, you're saying I could be a child of God. My father left me when I was a kid, but yet you're telling me that God would be my father for eternity, and I would ever be with him, and all things would work together for good to those of us who have welcomed the beholding. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so maybe that's where you haven't really thought through the implication. Because somebody probably told you the implication was this. Either you go to heaven or you go to hell. What a cheap, crappy presentation of the gospel, okay? That this story of the angels appearing and a, a child being born in the major gets whittled down to just whether or not you go to hell or not. I, I'm telling you, that's pathetic, and I apologize for every one of us preachers who have ever communicated that it comes down to that. No, the implication of God impacts me right now. It, it impacts how I do marriage. It, it impacts everything in my life at this particular moment. And as I'm getting older, it's impacting how I think about sliding off the shelf one day. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, all right, so you're telling me I'm gonna put on immortality. Okay, all right. So maybe someplace it breaks down. Um, And then I'm just gonna have to say, some of us choose not to behold. Now I'm gonna read you another story that about beholding. And this story is the opposite of Christmas. It's the antithesis of Christmas. It's just totally the opposite. Now, you're going to be a part of a, over the next five minutes, you're going to be part of a service that this has never happened before. In 2,100 years of recorded Christian history, no pastor has ever put together the Christmas story and this story together. You say, well, wait a minute, what about Spurgeon? What about Augustine? What about Aquinas? What about... Now, I feel really confident that this is going to be such a crazy pairing that no other preacher has ever put this together. So I'm not even sure it's going to work. All right? So just, just give me, a, give me a, a little bit of grace here. But I'm going to put two... You know why I do stuff like this? It's not so that I can become famous because I'm not becoming famous. It's because I was raised in Catholicism... And Catholicism has some real benefits, 
But one of the things it has the ability to do is become so repetitious in prayer and ceremony that you just stop beholding, you just go to mass. You know, and if you've been raised Catholic, you know what that feels like. And so God just, my job as a pastor is not to be like everybody else. My job, I was picked by God to say, listen, I need you to be quirky. I need you to pair things together that normally don't get, because people are falling asleep in the Bible belt on Jesus, okay? So here, here is this, here's this other story that I would be, but it is all about, uh, about the need to change from seeing to beholding the Christmas story. Jesus tells a story. We don't know if it's a literal story or if it's an allegory, but Jesus is telling it so it's true in all of its content and meaning. Now Jesus says, now there was a rich man in his habitual dress, who habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, gloriously living in the splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Jesus continues. Now the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and, dis- and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that during your life you received good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and and that none may cross over from there to us. So this man in torment says, then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house for I have five brothers in order that he may warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, and here's the whole heart of the choosing to behold or not. He says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone else rises from the dead. He's like, it won't work. I could do something even more spectacular and more spectacular and more spectacular. He's like, I gave you spectacular in Moses. I gave you spectacular in the prophets. He's like, and and if we could put it to this time, I've given you spectacular in the birth of Jesus to a virgin. I've given you spectacular in Jesus dying on the cross and then on the third day rising again. It's like, yes, but Lord, we're 21st century people. We need something even more spectacular. And he's like, no, 
if I've proven anything throughout history, is that more spectacular will get no more response from your human heart. You have chosen not to be impressed, and I will no longer seek to impress you. Wow. That just blows my mind. And Jesus said to his disciple, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, things that block our view. But woe to those to him through whom they come. It would be better for him to, if he had a millstone hung around his neck, it's a big rock, around his neck and that he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. See, God's really, really intense with people who block other people's view of Jesus. Okay, um, I don't know all about hell. And this really isn't a story about hell. This is actually, this was mentioned as Hades. And maybe I'll do a, a sermon on the difference between hell, Hades, and kind of some of the biblical language and, you know, fire and all that. Is it going to be eternal or is it something like that? Because you'd be really interesting. I mean, it's, there's a lot of interesting theology out there and, and, and there's a lot of guesswork too. Um, but it, I, I, I think God wants to say, listen, make sure you're not in the place today where you are blocking somebody else's beholding of Christ. And now I'm just going to turn this a little sidestep. I know I talk to a lot of young dads, and I've been a young dad for a while, no longer there, but I know what it's like to be a young dad, and I know what it's like to be busy during Christmas. Um, But don't go bah humbug on your kids. If your kids want lights, dad, go get the lights. I don't want to put up the Christmas tree, you know, it's just a pain. It's like, listen, your kids disappear at about 14. Well, they're still living with you. You got them on a life support system, but they've, all, their beho- all the beholding that you will probably show them, you got like between infant all the way up for you to present the Christmas story, the Christ story with all the spectacular. At about 14, they're looking at pictures some little girl or some little boy sent to their phone. They're beholding something totally different. See, so let me encourage you, spend the money, but we can't afford it. You know, you can afford a string of lights. We, we will sponsor a string of lights for anybody in this church that cannot afford. You say, what are you doing? It's like, no, I, you need to communicate to your children, to your family that this is a special season. Well, it's all made up. Is it? I mean, December 25th is made up. You know, the, the wise men all showing up at the nativity saying, eh, it's kind of like a, you know, amalgamation of a couple stories that got put together. I get it. Santa's made up. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to. I, I'm so sorry. Uh, sorta made up. <laughs> sorta. St. <Saint> Nicholas. <laughs> He's real. Was. So... But if you're messing up, don't block anybody's view of the spectacular that we remind ourselves about Jesus. Jesus shows that not everyone will behold. The threat of torment will not make you behold. Okay? So preaching a gospel where if you die tonight, do you know where you're spending eternity to go to hell or not? Okay, come on. You really think that's going to change somebody's heart? Um. Wealth will not incline you towards beholding. It didn't work that way for this 
rich person, being born into faith will not, will not change whether or not you will behold or not. Remember, he called him Father Abraham. And, and Father Abraham called him child. And he says, they got the Moses and the prophets. Just because you were born into a Christian family doesn't mean you've beheld anything. You know, so if you grew up, your grandparents were Christian, your parents were Christian, don't assume that the beholding has occurred for you. I really, it's got to be something you see, something you perceive, something that enters your soul. And I will also say this, a more grandiose miracle will not make you behold. And Jesus was very clear, even if somebody pops up from the dead, some people just don't want to see it. Um, What are some of the stumbling blocks for beholding? What what are some of the things? Um, We get too busy beholding something else. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, work, football, Pottery Barn, all the other things that we behold in. We get really busy beholding other stuff, family, soccer practices, you know? Some of us are like, you know, you got a five-year-old kid and you think they're gonna be playing soccer in Europe someplace. And so you're like selling out the whole thing to behold in your professional career, you know? It's like, some of us are busy beholding other things. Some of us are uninterested in changing. I don't want to be God's child. I like who I am just the way that I am. And so we decide any talk about beholding that transforms you, you're not interested in. Here's another one. We're waiting for God to make it happen when God wants to make it happen. If God wants me to change, God will change me. Okay, that is going to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard, okay? We already got this emblem here, this icon representing the great spectacular work of God that Christ dies on the cross and raises on the third day and then he pours out his spirit and, and, and we're like, yeah, but if God wants it to happen to me, it'll happen to me. Like, no, I'm sorry. That's not how it's going to happen. The spectacular has already been accomplished. The behold is kind of like the behold is like an ambiance that stays in the room. We got this really cool candle and it's got like three wicks. It's a power candle. You know, I mean, it's like you have one, you know, it's like, it's like a tub, you know, that, and it's like a tub of candle. And it's like when it lights, when you walk into our house, it's like cinnamon, uh, cider, uh, vanilla, and potpourri. I mean, you just smell it when you walk in. There is a beholding that is hanging in the atmosphere of humanity. The Christ story is still here. But for some of us, we just, or how about this? I'll get around to it when I'm Pastor Paul's age, when I'm 60, when my first cancer appears on my arm. That's when I'll do it. Okay, but right now I'm 30 and invincible. I get it. It's like, I'll I'll get around to it. Or or maybe for some of us, we're believing lies about life and God. I saw the Smithsonian announce that a new archeological discovery occurred last week that's going to prove that some of the elements of the Bible are unreliable. And it's like, they couldn't wait to rush that story to the front. Okay, couldn't wait to get up there with, 
we found a piece of wood that, you know, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Let me just tell you, I've been around now for about 40 years in Christianity, and I've seen, you know, when all of a sudden quantum mechanics and all that and quarks and, and the God particle and all that stuff was like, this is going to prove God doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, yep, everybody's like, oh, oh, you know, and, you know, everybody's like, maybe it's true. It's true. They just found this dinosaur bone. They, you know, just found this. And all of a sudden, you just wait 40 years, and somebody proves, well, it really wasn't a human bone. It turns out it was a donkey bone that somebody had manufactured. Turns out, well, looks like a, we're a Big Bang cosmology is probably right. The universe did have a beginning, you know, and, 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 and archaeological finds. I remember they said Jesus didn't really exist because they couldn't find Nazareth, that Nazareth didn't really exist. And just 25 years ago, they found this little subdivision off in Gal wherever that is. You know, I'm not a big map guy. But they found this little, it turns out that, that Nazareth is probably about the size, if you're familiar with West Ashley, the Ponderosa. Okay, the, the subdivision Ponderosa. Or in Goose Creek, uh, Boulder Bluff, if you live there. Um, if you're in Mount Pleasant, no, everything's spectacular in Mount Pleasant. We just can't have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Daniel Island, but pff, nothing's like Daniel Island. Excuse me. Um, uh, does he sound bitter? Do I sound bitter? No, no. Uh, Red Top. Red Top in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. And all of a sudden, but how many people gave up their faith because of quantum mechanics? Before, you know, how many people gave up their faith because of some driftwood was found in the desert and, and they were told that it, God doesn't really, exist. How many people have given up their faith because common ancestry was kind of like a really big thing now, but the, now the Cambrian explosion, pfft, we have a problem now biologically that maybe that didn't really happen. How many people just folded on their faith? And have you folded on your faith? Have you forgotten the implication of Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again? And so over the next few weeks that we'll spend together, we're getting back to this story, the power of Christmas is behold, because it's for all generations, not just that generation. God doesn't have to do anything more grandiose to convince you. You just gotta want it. You gotta desire this idea of becoming a child of God. How we respond to God's beholding will determine the future of your life. How we respond to God's behold defines our future. So, so I'm not gonna tell you today that if you go out for a walk in the woods and you just sit there quiet enough, all of a sudden you're gonna see God come down in a cloud or in a star or something like that. I'm not gonna, you know, um, I think when we discover Christ and the intention of God in the story that's already been spectacularly laid out before us, you take that story into the middle of the woods and you read that story and you get alone with God and say, God, I wanna behold you. I guarantee you, to as many as receive him, he gives the power to be the children of God. That promise is spectacular. Its implication is resounding. But 
you got to want it. Father, as we enter into this moment, this beholding moment, because it's so crazy, what we call a piece of bread and a cup of juice, to the heart that wants to see, it is the body that was broken, the blood that was poured out. No magic. It's just whether or not we want to behold God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move on every person here. The God that you would reveal where they're stuck in this cycle of beholding, if they are stuck. Help them see where they're stuck. I ask through the Holy Spirit that you will help move that beholding I mean, that stumbling block from them. Expose that stumbling block. Busyness, not interested, waiting on God for something that God's not waiting to do. So, Father God, let us, even though we've done this a thousand times before in our lives, today may we behold the beholding of God in the bread and in the cup that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son we don't have to perish we don't have to live in chaos we can be greater than the biological sum of the world around us we don't have to remain victims God we are called to be immortals Christ in us the hope of glory living in us now the implication is resounding. God, help us through your Holy Spirit to see it.